The following podcast has been recorded live for your audio pleasure. It is rated M for Mexican. Hello to the second episode of the back-to-back birthday anniversary celebration. Three years we've been on the air. Three years of mind-blowing entertainment coming to you live from the city of no return. The city that never sleeps. The most electrifying city in the whole Midwest, Columbus, Ohio. With your host, the man with the plan, the first Mexican to finish a marathon in all 50 states, the one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, the Mexican. And it has been a beautiful and amazing three years on the air. We have discussed everything and anything. There is no censorship on the podcast. We've had special guests on the podcast, doctors, lawyers, friends of friends. We've had episodes that last three hours. We've had episodes that last 20 minutes. We used to do two a week. Now we're down to one a week. And to think about it, this is what, 241? Episode 241. That means that in the last three years, we've delivered 80 episodes a year on average. That's at least more than one a week. For those who don't know, there's 52 weeks in a year. Just give or take. So yeah, you're welcome. I would also like to give a shout out to our most listened our, uh, countries that listen to our podcast the most. Obviously the U.S. because um, we live here, you know. We, we be born in America. But I would like to shout out to France, England, Mexico, Germany, Japan... Holland, in no particular order. They're in the top 10. And of course, thank you for everybody who listens to the podcast in our top cities. Columbus, Ohio, Dayton, Ohio, Ashburn, Virginia, San Jose, California, Tokyo, Japan, and Berlin, Germany. Now, let's get to today's podcast. But before we do, so we don't lose our train of thought, let's shout out once again, this time to the sponsors, without without who we would not be where we are today. Super Studios 253. If you're in the area, use the promo code MEXI, sign up for classes, and join Team Super. Super Studios 253, a proud sponsor of the MEXI My Matters podcast. And Hand and Stone Massage as well. Mexi just got one on Wednesday. Promo code Mexi saves you on your first Swedish 
and your membership. It's not that bad. 64 bucks a month and you get a free massage a month. You can add them up, rack them up. It's a pretty sweet deal if you ask me. Now, of course, if you get add-ons like Mexi does, the deep tissue and the peppermint scalp massage, yes, those are extra. But hey, you're already using the discount, so what are you complaining for? And so massage, a proud sponsor of the Mexi My Matters podcast. And American National. Mexi has the umbrella policy. You should too. It covers you as a pedestrian, on a bike, on any kind of vehicle. Use the promo code Mexi and save on your bundling. Get UM, UIM, MedPay, full collision coverage. Call my man Ramo. Give him a buzz. Have him hook, him, hook you up. Life, auto, motorcycle, home. Whatever you want. American National, a proud sponsor of the Mexi My Matters podcast. Now. Let's get to today's session. And I want to discuss, once again, something was brought up to my attention that I had no idea was going on and kind of seems a little bit impossible if you were to ask me. So I was on Netflix and it seems that new on Netflix, there's a documentary of a man that is known as the Iron Cowboy. This Iron Cowboy, real name James Lawrence, is a Canadian who has two world records, two Guinness Book of Records. The first for most half Ironmans in a year, in the calendar year, 22, and the second for most full Ironman in a calendar year at 30. Now, here's the first thing I did when I found this out. I pulled up the Ironman website. And I said, okay, let's look at the schedule. There is not 22... There is not 22... Half Ironmans, aka 70.3 distance in a calendar year. And there's damn sure not 30 full Ironmans in a calendar year as well. So, therefore, I'm assuming he's doing smaller races, kind of like when me and Joel did the Deer Creek half, you know, and so forth. Now, I have never seen smaller races have the full Ironman distance, I don't know. But the documentary I was watching, about an hour long, focuses on after he achieved these records in 2012, he trains for a year and then decides I'm going to do the impossible which is run 50 Ironmans in 50 days in all 50 states. And that's what I'm watching. I'm like, I, okay, all right, already right there. I already know there's no way there's 50 Ironman distances races anywhere in the U.S. 50 straight days. So how are we getting this done? So Mr. Iron Cowboy starts in Hawaii. There's one there. Flies to Alaska. Now, the one in Hawaii 
in order to coincide with the flight schedule. Because, of course, this is a logistical nightmare. He had to start the Iron Man in Hawaii at midnight. That's what I was like, okay, that's clearly not sanctioned, so what is going on? He is actually doing the Iron Man distance, but not in sanctioned races. He's going out himself and doing 2.4 miles swimming, 112 miles on the bike, and a marathon distance in a day. Now, we all know, at least those of us who've done Ironman, there's cutoffs at each specific section. There's a cutoff after the swim, there's a cutoff after the bike, and there's a cutoff after the run. Like a cutoff, actually, there's a cutoff halfway at the bike and at the end of the bike, and a cutoff halfway through the run and then at the run. You have to be there by a certain time, totaling 17 hours. So, he's going on this journey, doing his own thing, and of course, he has a band of married men, he has his wife and like five, six kids, and all these friends of his that are helping, and he supposedly is doing this for a good cause. He wants to raise a million dollars for the James Oliver Foundation. So, he starts on his quest, and, and, you know, he gets it done. But as we go along, we learn that he had obstacles to overcome. Now, first things first, they don't tell us how he's running these races. Because they started by saying his times were getting slower at first. Well, wait a minute, so, and he's finishing later as the days go along. They don't explain if he's still finishing the whole thing within 17 hours. Because that would be my first big no-no. If you're not finishing it within 17 hours, and you're actually finishing after 17 hours, then that's why they're called Ironman distances. There's cutoff times. But okay. Then... In order to replenish himself, he takes IVs. Now, I didn't know this, and I learned this at the documentary. It is against Ironman policy and and triathlon sports to use IVs in training for an Ironman up to two weeks prior to the race. So him doing it in between days is technically considered doping. But then... At the end of the, you know, after he gets all the heat from quote-unquote doping, at the end of the documentary, they explain that, you know, the World Organization of Triathletes or whatever changes the rules to allow for certain feats like this because obviously, you know, you kind of have to take IVs if you're running an Ironman every day. So that one, again, a big no-no, but it got changed, so... I'm kind of okay with that. Now, the other thing that didn't get explained properly is how was James Lawrence doing these races? Was he always doing the swim first, 
then the bike, then the run. Because he keeps referring to these 5Ks at the end, and I'm like, is he breaking up the run? Is he breaking up the swim? Is he breaking up the the bike? Because again, that's not what an Ironman is. It should be swimming 2.4, biking 112, and running a marathon. So that's another no-no I was not clarified. Because he kept mentioning 10 and 5Ks at the end of the day. And I'm like, is he not running the full marathon distance? Or what's going on? Is he breaking it down? Not very well explained. Now, on top of that, he's, he's doing this on barely any sleep. He's sleeping in an RV. They Once they land in Alaska for race two, then they just drive from state to state. Obviously, logistically the best way to go. Two, um, he does have to account for weather. So at some point during the race, the races, he he runs into a hurricane and they won't let him run outside. So he finishes his run. He finishes the run. At a gym on an elliptical. The last, I don't know how many miles he had on the elliptical. And he got a huge wave of social media backlash for that. And I'm like, uh, yeah. Because you're basically taking a rest from the time they tell you stop running, going inside, using a gym, and then also... Doing it on an elliptical. You're not technically running. Like if the gym had a track. Why didn't you do it on the track? And that's the thing. Since these are not sanctioned events. Well yeah. You technically. Because he was doing some of these swims. At a pool. Some of them in the creek. Some of them in the river. In the ocean. Whatever have you. And he was picking and choosing where he was going. To make it easier logistically to drive the RV. So that's where I'm like, okay, well, wait a minute. Anybody could do this technically. You don't even need to leave anywhere. Because all you have to do basically is find a gym in each state. Get there. And basically, if they have a pool, swim in the pool. 2.4. If they have a bike, sit on the bike and ride for 112 miles. And if they have a track, run your, your marathon on the track. So technically, you don't even have to be outside. So that's why I don't understand. It's like, why are you doing it that particular way? It really doesn't matter. And you, because we, we learn about his fight against, um, his fight against, you know, the social media backlash and and how he was getting pissed and he wasn't getting donations and how he got pissed about people giving him shit of the way he was doing it. And at the end, you know, around state number 30 in Connecticut, he doesn't care and just says, you know what, I'm just going to do my thing and finish, which great, he finishes. But what is stopping anybody from doing it the way I just described, which is basically not having to even go outside per se if you're not doing a full sanctioned distance my other concern is 
and I guess my main issue, and this is the part where it drove me nuts, is at the end of the documentary, they interview friends, family, some bystanders, some other people from the triathlon community, triathlon community, and they're like, oh yeah, it's amazing, it's, it's such a daring feat, oh my god, I can't believe he did it, and his one crew member, because again, remember, he had a crew, and the Jamie Oliver Foundation, as he was doing the races and finishing, um, they sent out some, um, some volunteers to help out, you know, because they were technically sponsoring him. Oh, but I, oh, I almost forgot. So, he didn't even raise the money for the Jamie, Jamie Oliver Foundation. He got, he was supposed to raise a million, he only raised 75000 But he got, you know, his volunteers, you know, through sponsorship, you know, to help out during the race. And, <clears throat> you know, the donations were coming in. So... He also, I guess, didn't file the paperwork properly because there was also hoopla from social media and people that said that he was pocketing the money because he wasn't really linked to the foundation until they finally fixed the paperwork and uh, Jamie Oliver Foundation came out and did a statement that they are supporting Darren Cowboy and blah, blah, blah. Again, so many, so many things went wrong. <clears throat> My main issue is the fact that one of his crew members at the end of the documentary says he showed what the human limits are and anybody can do the impossible. To which that made me angry. The same way it made me angry when Dave Jones, when he did his 50 states and all eight continents in one calendar year on his fucking page goes, oh yeah, if I could do it, anybody can do this challenge. No, motherfuckers, because A, nobody has the time of day to take 50 straight days of vacation or take a year off just to go run marathons. Not everybody has the financial means to pull this off as well. Now, mind you, one flight to Hawaii, one flight from Alaska to, well, one flight to Hawaii, one flight to Alaska from Hawaii, and one flight from to Seattle or Washington from Alaska, three flights. Then you have to get an RV and basically drive. So not only do you have to financially have the money to sign up for these races. But now, you have to have the money to drive, you have to have the gas money, you have to buy an RV, and have a crew. I can't even get my fiancé to come to every single one of my marathons. You think I'm going to get a crew of like 10 people? And then shit, why is it that every time somebody wants to do this for a charity, oh, then it's okay, and then we got the media coverage, then we got the social media going, and then we got the sponsorship. Oh, but if somebody just wants to do it to break a record, oh, then nobody cares. My friend Julie Weiss is doing 52 races in 52 days, or 52 weeks, I think it is, uh, in one calendar year, 
Doesn't matter what kind of race for pancreatic cancer. Oh, let's give her a book. My other friend Michelle, mom of six, Ironman finisher, 50 state finisher, marathon maniac, and six star finisher. Oh, let's give her a book too. No, like this is this is what I mean. Being the first Mexican to do all 50 states and six majors, because I'm pretty sure I checked with the Guinness Book of Records, and that's not been a record. The first ever to do all six majors, and well, the fastest to do all six majors and all 50 states. It's not easy doing the majors unless you have a fast time and qualify. It's not easy. So I'm submitting my bid for that to have that record. But now, if I decide to do all Mexican states and be the first Mexican to do all that, I don't feel bad about some states not having a race. I can just do my own 26.2. But that's the thing. I was feeling bad about that. Yet here we are with an iron cowboy creating his own races because they were talking on the documentary about, you know, his family was struggling financially because he was, you know, investing all this money. And most of it came out of his own pocket. And he was signing up for races. And I'm like, okay, I get that for the 30 in a year and the 22 in a year that you broke those records. But nobody started mentioning anything about sign-up fees the moment he started doing the 50-50-50. It kind of just seemed like he would show up somewhere. Oh, there's a body of water. Let me do my 2.4. Oh, let me get on the bike and just ride the bike. Like at one point when when the uh, documentary started... In uh, Hawaii, he actually got pulled over by the cops because his crew was following him on a bike and were actually taking up part of the road. And you can't do that in Hawaii, I guess. But I'm like, okay, so these uh, these his crew member are swimming with him in case something happens. They're biking with him and they're running with him, taking turns. And while he sleeps in the RV, they take turns driving. Oh, well, well, that must be great. Because, you know, everybody else who does an Ironman is privileged with that with that kind of support. Get the fuck out of here. That's where I have the issue. Just like Dave Jones with his 50 states and 8 continents. If you front me 50K, I already have the layout to break that record of yours in under a year. But A, you have to lend me the 50K because that's how much it's going to cost to do the whole thing. And also, I would like to be compensated for missing a year of work to do that. Some of us have actual jobs. We're not entrepreneurs. We're not millionaires. Daddy didn't leave me a trust fund. I don't know what James Lawrence's issue is. But clearly... The simple fact that you have a family of six, that's a that's a six-person race crew right there. Oh, you have an RV. Mom must be nice. You live in Canada. Now you live in Salt Lake City. Great. Must be nice. But again, I don't understand why, if the point was just to do the distances in 50 straight days, just stay in the gym. 
Why even bother going outside? If you're going to go outside, break it up however you want to break it up, and then are okay with finishing a distance on an elliptical due to inclement weather, then I don't understand why you can't just not leave the gym. Because if that's the case, I mean, I could do it. I could probably rent an RV. But again... I can't take 50 days off work. That's just, <laughs> I would have to make a lot of money or be retired to pull this off. I'm already having issues with the logistical nightmare that is scheduling a marathon in all 50, in all 32 Mexican states. That was already a logistical nightmare. It already is. Like right now, I'm signed up for Emercio, Sonora, December 1st, Cancun, uh, Quintana Roo, Mexico. On the 7th I'm trying to squeeze another one in there On October 27th That Those flights alone Is going to be a thousand bucks And I'm getting married this year I don't have that money So Somebody going there And saying Anybody can do it That is not true Because I could run a marathon tomorrow And finish That is true Anybody can do the marathon thing Anybody can finish a marathon That I agree with Anybody can finish an Ironman That I agree with Telling me that anybody could do 50 states and 8 continents in a calendar year, no, not anybody. The few and far between. Same thing with this 50-50-50. Not anybody can just pull this off. So don't sit there and tell me, oh yeah, anybody can do this. That's what pisses me off. Because already the 30 in a year, so if you wanted to break any one of his records, you have to do 31 Ironman in a year. Or 23 half Ironmans in a year Which already We have to look into how he did it Because I seriously Can't find That many races on the Ironman website Unless I'm like missing Some kind of portal slash Webpage where there's all these races Listed And not even that It's like Tara would murder me, murder me If I did that I'm watching the documentary, she's like, don't get any crazy ideas. <laughs> I'm not, because I already know if that's how you have to do it to get it done, then all I have to do is basically never leave the gym. I mean, simple as that. And it's even perfect, because what if you had to poop? Where is he going to the bathroom? In the RV? Well, uh, if he's riding his bike, he's not always by the RV. Whereas if you do it at the gym, oh, the bathroom is right there. And again, they didn't specify anything about is he finishing all these races within the 17-hour cutoff. And to a degree, the backlash he was getting from social media, I kind of agree with that. To a certain degree. Like, the doping thing, okay, I'm not really, you know, agreeing with that part of it. But... No time, no, no time cutoffs. We don't know if he's finishing in 17 hours. Okay, um, the documentary wasn't really posting his his data. They said that they would keep a track of the data, make sure he was on par, but they weren't giving us specifics about his data. So why do I know what times he was finishing? When was he actually starting? They they tell you that he's he was struggling and starting at later times. Okay, well, is he still finishing within 17 hours? That's what I want to know. Because you're still driving from state to state. 
So, to a certain degree, it has to be the worst logistical nightmare ever. But, you know, I guess it's fine if you have a crew of 20 pulling this off. He had a chiropractor on call. Like, you really think I'm going to have a chiropractor follow me? He had a coach? Get some data guy? I'm like, oh, yeah, anybody can do that. He injured his shoulder, but he was still going on. Okay. Um, I found it very hard to believe, but all right. There was no diagnoses saying he had a torn shoulder or something at the end of the documentary. So, who knows? But yeah, 50 Ironmans in 50 uh, states in 50 days, that would put, put a toll on your body. I may never walk after that. So no, don't tell me that that anybody could do it. That aggravates me. It also a little bit aggravates me that all these people who, oh, we have the money and we're doing it for charity. Oh yeah, we're the ones getting all the all the media outlets, all the calls, all the interviews, all the book deals. Oh no no no. But this Mexican who does the impossible, oh yeah. First Mexican to finish in all fifty states, but I can't even get a camera crew to show up at my finish line. And I have a friend here in the local Columbus media for the Hispanic coalition that promised me an article. Oh, and even she backed out of it. I have to do my own promotion, but oh no, yeah, Iron Cow- Iron Cowboy who dopes, takes IVs in between, has a crew of 20, oh yeah, oh no, let's give him a Netflix documentary, I swear, aggravates me, well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast, that was my two cents on Mr. Iron Cowboy, you can actually... Have him speak at your event if you want, which I choose not to because really, I mean, give me 50 grand and I can do that. Oh, and for those who are wondering, he's called the Iron Cowboy because I guess the first Iron Man he was doing, he uh, he told his friends he was going to be wear, wearing a cowboy hat so they can easily identify him during the race and it just stuck. So, whatever. But yeah, those are two cents. I uh, hope you enjoyed our three-year anniversary back-to-back. We will be coming to you next week, right before our trip to El Paso. Check us out online. All the episodes are on SoundCloud and iTunes. Hit us up on social media. Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Snapchat. Rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And as always, remember, where there's a Mexican, there's a way. Until next time.